You're listening to the awesome Podcast Network. From my heart and from my hand, why don't people understand my intention? Welcome back to the latest Blast of the Past with the most current, recent episode of 80s Revisited. This week we talk about the classic 1985 film, Weird Science. Also touch on some 80s movies remakes from an email, and we discover the secrets of the Martini Ranch. So stay tuned right here for 80s Revisited. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. What would you little maniacs like to do first? Well, let's see. Uh, shower. Shower again. Go get something to eat. Come home. Shower. And then spend the weekend in bed. That's just on top of my head. Welcome back, everybody, to a very, very special episode of 80s Visit that is both close to my heart because of Bill Paxton and also close to another part of my body because of Kelly LeBrock. But more on that as we get into it. Of course, I am your host, Trey Harris, and with me as always... My own manufactured producer, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. As we talk about this week, weird science, or Mary Poppins with breasts, according to what Kelly LeBrock herself calls it, mm. released August 2nd, 1985. IMDb gives it a 6.6. Rotten Tomatoes, 56% critics, 69% <laughs> audience, however. So uh, close, in a sense, but uh, obviously the audience liked it a little bit better. Uh, let's see. Budget was an estimated 7.5. Opened at 4.8. Uh, it opened at. Uh, I didn't. Write, I thought I'd write down what number it opened, but it did not open at number one. I think it was further down the list. But anyway, Back to the Future was actually number one for the fifth week. Oh wow! Uh, when this released in 1985, it would go on, however, to domestically gross 23.8 million and another uh, 39.38, excuse me, .9 in rentals. Many of those were me, and every time I rented it, the last scene of the film was always messed up on the VHS because people would leave it paused there for a very, very long time. <laughs> uh, or not very long. More, many people pausing it for, you know, 15 minutes at a time. Right. Multiple times. Do what they need to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then, uh, thank goodness, you know, you have to... You'd have to go do, wash your hands before you'd eject the tape. So mm. tapes would usually be pretty sanitary, I'd imagine. But as always, there's freaks out there that don't wash their hands. But anyway, sorry, ladies. Uh, directed by John Hughes, mm. of course, veteran of the podcast with The Breakfast Club, 16 Candles, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Uncle Buck. And it always surprises me to refresh in my mind that he only has eight directing credits. But what a hell of a portfolio, just directing-wise. But it's important to remember about John Hughes is, is that as good as he was a director, and he was very good, in my opinion, mm -hmm. what a writer. Yeah. If you want to look at his writing credits, uh, Home Alone 1 through 3, National Lampoon's Vacation, European Vacation, Christmas Vacation, two killer comedy franchises, uh, and Beethoven. <laughs> under a different name, however. I it was some alias. I forget what it was. John uh, Hughes doesn't write about dogs. <laughs> That's the one thing I can't <laughs> have my name on. Keep it off of the dogs. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, as Edmund Dantes, <laughs> yeah. of course, the character from... Uh, Count of Monte Crisco, yeah. as William Sadler would the say. The unhealthy sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> and starring another veteran of the podcast, Anthony Michael Hall as Gary, of course, Breakfast Club, Sixteen Candles, and finally got to be the jock bully in Edward Scissorhands. Uh, and someone who we'll never hear from again, uh, Ilan Mike Mitchell Smith as Wyatt. He was in a film called The Chocolate War. Sounds delicious. And a recurring role on the Superboy television show. So he was... Quickly forgotten. And Kelly LeBrock as Lisa, hard to kill with Seagal, wrongfully accused with uh, uh, oh, said Liam Neeson, Leslie Nielsen, mm. uh, and the woman in red, fantastic VHS cover, long lines of pretty woman. Uh, Suzanne Snyder was Deb. She was also in Killer Clowns from Outer Space and Return of the Living Dead 2. Uh, Judy Aronson was Hilly. Uh, most notably, she was in Friday the 13th, 13th 4, and American Ninja. Uh, Robert Russell oh, was boy. Max. Uh, he was in <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street too. 
<laughs> just the cover is enough to elicit a snicker for American Ninja. It is super bad. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll cover it one day. Maybe. <laughs> maybe we're the first three. <laughs> we need some of those. But uh, let's see where it was. Uh, Robert Russell was Max. He was in Nightmare on Elm Street 2. And sometimes they come back. So he's a big horror actor for the most part. And... Iron Man himself, Robert Downey Jr. as Ian, uh, also in Chaplin and Tropic Thunder, which is back on Netflix, thank goodness. Watch that yes, again this weekend. because It never, ever gets old. Mm-hmm. It's That is like a modern, I don't know, like uh, Three Amigos or whatever. It's Future just... Future classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I can, I've seen it 50 times. I can watch it <laughs> right now. It's so good. So funny. Uh, yet another veteran of the podcast with Vernon Wells, whoever is the Lord General, of course, Road Warrior, Commando, Michael Berryman, if you don't know his name, you know what he looks like. He's the mutant biker uh, from Hills Have Eyes and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And the man of the hour, or hour and a half, depending on how long this podcast lasts, the one, the only, gone too soon, Bill Paxson is Chet. Of course, Aliens, True Lies, Twister, and most notably, Frailty. But more on the Pax at the end of the podcast in the Back to the Future segment. Uh, one thing to note about uh, Vernon Wells is... How many red credits he has on IMDb? Holy shit. My God. That guy works. <laughs> Jesus. What's his total number? Uh, it's 162. Okay. Out of 162 credits, probably 62 of them are in pre-production, post, pre-post completed or announced. Jesus. Jeez. You ain't, Unless he Jesus. does a lot of films that just tank or something after they're yeah. done. I didn't realize he was a voice in Deus Ex, Mankind Divided. Wow. Didn't even recognize him. Jim Miller. He's a chameleon with his voice. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Ton, ton, ton of stuff with him. Uh, but Jesse, I, I'm pretty sure you've seen Weird Science. I have seen Weird Science. How many times? Maybe three times. Okay. <laughs> Including the one you just watched recently. Yeah, probably. The podcast. I've seen Maybe it. even twice. <laughs> this is one of those that came on TV a lot, rented it a lot for the previously mentioned reason. Other people had it on VHS or whatever to where... It, consistently like would just randomly be on when you go over to a friend's house or one of those randomly on not so much TBS but USA because USA was the network that had the TV show mm-hmm. with Vanessa Angel who as gorgeous as she is couldn't hold a candle to the original Kelly LeBrock although nowadays if I had to pick one today I think I'd go with <laughs> Vanessa Angel but if it was the Lisa versus Lisa in their prime Kelly LeBrock, Le, LeBrock for me every time but that's just me yeah Weird Science was such a uh, just a fun movie. I mean, it's basically Frankenstein in high school, or as Kelly LeBrock put it, Mary Poppins with breasts, whichever way you want to look at it. But I imagine that John Hughes was just like, I love Frankenstein. It's a great story. What if Victor Frankenstein was a high school student? Hmm. hmm. And he was lonely and horny. Hmm. <laughs> there you go. Weird science, pretty much. Yeah. And thank God he did. Wrote and directed, as I mentioned, because I personally love this movie. Always loved it. Uh, Mentioned heavily in the Elvira episode how, like, Elvira made, like, that's when I knew that's what I wanted in life. Sexually. <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's, that's what turns me on. And this was a close second. <laughs> Kelly LeBrock in this movie just... And, of course, it came out in 80, 85. I'm five years old, six years old, seven years old. You know, in the 80s, that's a, you're an old man with the movies that you're subjected to in the 80s at that point. You know all about everything at that age. So it was like, yep, yep. Definitely not gay. <laughs> no way. And of course, no just question. her on the cover. Just oh, she's so beautiful in this film. Not a very good actress, but hey, when you look that good, the roles choose you. All right. So, but uh, yeah, and rewatch, revisiting it as we do on the podcast. Uh, it was just so much fun. Enjoyed every second of it. Rewatching it uh, when watching my wife. And in fact, normally when I watch a movie for the podcast, Autumn, my lovely, beautiful wife. Sits on her phone the whole time with her head in my lap. Just I'm illustrating it for Jesse, but of course, uh, you guys can't see it. But just you know, head in my lap, staring at her phone, the warm glow distracting <laughs> me from the movie. But she never picked up her phone. We watched it all the way through without looking oh, wow. at our phones. So that says this day and age that says something. Especially if my wife That's did. That's amazing. <laughs> Let's do the. Uh, why, why can't that be on Facebook? You know the. Uh, don't look at your phone during a movie challenge. Oh boy! List the movie that you didn't look at your phone at while you were watching it. So you if you guys prove it though, you know, yeah, I can't exactly prove it. You have to do like a quick, uh, you know, filming of yourself. Yeah, like li- yeah, you have to live stream it. Facebook Live. Your phone's sitting far away. You can do a time lapse. A, a time lapse of it. Oh, that's true. Just set it on the picture mode and just yeah, the time the lapse. Time lapse every like minute. 
that worked. Long. <laughs> yep. Uh, but anyway, uh, Jesse, what are your thoughts on it, having watched it back in the day and then also pretty recent? Uh, it's very apparent now that it was him just, ha- yeah, I have this idea for a movie. Mm-hmm. Where do you go from there? Um, and it goes the same way that uh, a lot of his movies go. You know, the, it's an aging story, you know. Yeah, coming of age. Coming of age, yeah. Learning about that responsibility or some aspect of grown-up life, even though you're still young. I think they spent a little too much time on her, which is, you know, it's great to look at, but I mean... I appreciated that as a young man. <laughs> right, right. And truth be told, I did as when I watched it the last time, too, but I see what you're saying. But in a coming-of-age story, it's it's uh, it doesn't develop their... Uh, that part of the story yeah. much whenever it's just the two uh villains mm-hmm. talking to her <laughs> if that's what you want to call yeah. them <laughs> uh, but, what uh, fashion since rdj had back in the day yeah i bet it would still work <laughs> yeah <laughs> for him <laughs> you could wear anything and it'd be like yeah, kind of dressed like tony stark <laughs> yeah just give him the mustache <laughs> go tea. but yeah, yeah. it was a, yeah it was a lot of awkward moments it probably Pulled from his own life, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was good like that, but storyline-wise, it's a very straightforward thing. Oh, we're having a party. Here's yeah, what happened you got to have that because you're popular yeah. now. You have to have the party. Yeah. Pretty much every John Hughes movie has a party scene in it somewhere. Here's all the, the strange things that happened at the party. Yeah, and that's a, like, <laughs> This is like when I first saw this movie, I didn't know what it was. Like yeah. flip, you know. However, when, but I remember coming into it on the end part with Vernon Wells and the strange metal face dude, and like, what is? That's what captured my attention as a kid. Yeah. As a kid, like, what is this? What it's is like this? Mad Max in the suburbs. Like exactly. <laughs> what the hell is this? And then you watch it, and like, of course, you know, even if you just catch it from that point, you still get some great shots of Lisa. Of course, the last shot of the movie, like I mentioned before. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah. wow, I need to see this from the beginning, and then, oh, thank God, I did, because it's amazing. <laughs> such a good just entertaining movie and it's 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 simple in its structure it's a it's a gen, you know it's a, just a, a kernel of an idea and just let's that's a, know, yeah that's the, a good john point. hughes's talent just bink, done which in fact skip to the trivia he wrote the film in two days <laughs> which is a well, you know that's well for him that's like two days wow, i must be getting old <laughs> he's a machine i don't know there's parts that feel like it may have been two days but i mean he had such a pedigree that he could just he could do that and be like yeah i can make this yeah i think he had a, i would have of course he passed away a few years ago so right. unfortunately but i imagine with his like you said his pedigree his style he he had the idea and it was just it just cranked it out yeah and since he was writing and directing it he just hey i'm john hughes i want to make this movie sure go ahead john if anyone knows the story behind that edmund dantes name of his i would like to know that because you know that character had a very specific purpose <laughs> in Count of Monte Cristo. <laughs> so is he getting revenge on someone for making this? Maybe it's just his favorite literary character. Who knows? Okay, that could be it. But that'd be even cooler if he's like, like "Fuck <laughs> this guy." Anything Beethoven, like, uh, like maybe somebody screwed him over. It's like, I'm gonna write this movie. Yeah. Someone got hired to do Beethoven. He's like, I'll do it for free. <laughs> <laughs> One kabat. <laughs> I will be listed as Edmund Dantes. Dantes. Yeah. Could very well be. Who knows? Maybe <laughs> just to screw that guy. And we'll never know who he is because he never got famous because he never was able to make his dog story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until he wrote Gerald Bit Taylor and then he swooped in again and been like, yeah, I'll write that too. Maybe that's because he's like, yeah, we got this project we want you to write, John. It's going to star Owen Wilson. He's like, shit. Oh, God. Shit. That's an Edmund Dantes project. <laughs> Owen Wilson's attached. Gotcha. Seth Rogen also wrote that though. So that's something. Hmm. <laughs> Well, story by John Hughes. Oh, yeah. So. yeah, that's true. Hey, guys, we totally but, found this story from John Hughes that he never made a movie of. Well, let's, I'm going to write the screenplay. But still as Edmund Dantes. Yeah. A year before his death. He's like, don't put that shit on. If, that, if you make that into a movie, you're going to kill me, Seth. Yeah. Sure, dude, whatever. I thought we said that when I was high or something. I didn't know. <laughs> Happy 420, death. Seth Rogen. Yesterday, today's 421 to date the podcast. Yeah. 2017. To all you people out there, not judging. If it was legal here, I'd have a, I'd be doing it. Be doing uh, it right now. It's Lima Bean Day, actually. I thought today was surprise drug test at work day. <laughs> I mean, uh, four twenty. Technically, um, yeah. Lima, <laughs> Lima Bean, bean was- Respect Day. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I would have known that yesterday because I would have posted all day about <laughs> Lima beans. <laughs> so much green in my life right now. <laughs> Smoke <Respect>. some lima beans. <laughs> But anyway, moving on, moving on to the trivia. There's because there's a pretty good bit about it. 
uh, in an interview at com- one of the Comic Cons that Kelly LeBrock was at, she said that when she did the kissing scene with the, at, speaking of this, with at that point, 14 year old, mm-hmm. again, <laughs> Ilan, I don't know how you pronounce the name, Ilan Mitchell Smith, he got carried away and stuck his tongue down her throat. First of all, I'd have done the same damn thing. Uh, however, afterwards, she told him, You ever do that again? I'm going to kick your ass. So basically, she got assaulted. Sexually assaulted almost by a fourteen-year-old, and that's what drove him to quit acting. <laughs> Probably, like I get maybe she blackballed him. You know, pardon the words, but like from like blacklisted him. Like, don't she hire had this so guy. So much power. <sighs> Look at her. I bet she did in the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> like, could be, but uh, also there was a part in this movie. I was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why were there no red flags? And the, there's a scene in the movie where she's looking at she's at, looking at the lingerie, and she's like, "Do you think this oh, is appropriate yeah. for a fourteen-year-old?" I'm like, and like nobody, no, the woman just like, hmm. Just like shrugs it off, like this one's just admitted she's buying lingerie for a fourteen-year-old. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you can't do that. Even then, I'm sure. But I mean, today it's like whoa, 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 whoa. She's a pedophile. Well, maybe she was buying it for a fourteen-year-old girl. You know, like to wear the way it was. The scene was shot. That's not how it no, came no. across at all. I we think, all know what I it think. Was. She said fourteen-year-old boy too. Oh, that's. True. I don't remember. Yeah. It's been a week or two since I watched it. I got yeah. so many movies that I've watched the past couple weeks because nothing else is out. And I've watched nothing but movies that we're going to cover on the podcast, so it's like, there it is. 15-year-old, excuse me. Would these turn you on? Oh, that's what you said? If you were a 15-year-old Ah, okay. Would these turn you on? Mm -hmm. I think so. That says yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) One fly today, but hey, the 80s were a different time. Not that there weren't pedophiles in the 80s. How different would the story be if they woke up the next morning and he was like, oh, God, I fucked her so good. <laughs> that would, No, if it was rated R and it was real, right. that's exactly, dude, sex was amazing. I didn't know. I, I want to have it all the time now. You know, after you lose your virginity, that's all you want to do is like again, again, again. Especially if you own the possession. Yeah, no joke. If it's yours. <laughs> I guess they made this today. If it's your slave. The simplest way to make this today was some you know kid in high school gets a love doll. And yeah. the love doll comes alive. Right. And it's just like, oh, God. And then he has no se- he has no social life. His <laughs> grades drop. He quits the team or whatever because he's discovered sex with another person for the first time. So it's just... And the whole thing's about a missing boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, it's like prisoners. <laughs> <laughs> Except he turns out in the end, he's just in the yeah. woods fucking this yeah, doll. Yeah, fucking the time. doll. Like, <laughs> why can't you just leave us alone? <laughs> It's not real, Stan. It's not real. It's real to me. There's a movie, copyright, 80s revisited, 2017. Prisoners meets a boy screwing a doll. <laughs> Weird science. <laughs> Mixed with the, the sort of the plot of Lars and the real girl. Yeah. It all comes together. That's all. I mean, that's what it is. But anyway, uh, according to Bill Pax and Chet's line, how about a nice greasy pork sandwich served in a dirty ashtray? was actually based on something his father, John Paxton, used to say to him when Bill was hungover from a night of drinking. Mm. Still not appropriate to say to your kid, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, Anthony Michael Hall makes a reference to a girlfriend from Canada. Anybody who's seen another John Hughes movie, my favorite John Hughes movie, such as The Breakfast Club, would remember that his character Brian in that also references his girlfriend from Canada. So it's sort of an in-joke to the same thing. As I mentioned, John Hughes wrote it in two days. Uh, the name Lisa was actually inspired from, by the Apple computer's first GUI computer, the Apple Lisa. Hmm. So that's why she's named Lisa and not Frankenhooker or whatever you want to call her. Or Mary Poppins. Macintosh. Yeah. But they used that years <laughs> later with that Disney movie, Blank Check. Right. Speaking of the computers in this film, wow. Again, 1985. <laughs> I'm just going to... Uh, Hack into NASA real quick. Yeah, hacking. And I'm going to scan in some pictures from magazines, including one of David Lee Roth. And it's going to, and then hook up the Barbie doll, and it's going to create this woman. <laughs> Which, again, it's a silly, it, it's, it's meant to be silly, but at the same time, it's just like, this is so funny. And that modem, let me take my phone and hook it into that. My wife was like, what is that? What are they doing? I'm like, that was a modem, babe. E equals MC squared. Oh, this little thing. Around. I didn't find any exact confirmation, but I think that's a reference to the Twilight Zone intro. Uh,. With the eyeball and the equals MC squared, because I'm like, I've seen that before. It's like, what hacking involves graphics? Like, <laughs> uh, Well, also the lawnmower man about 10 years later would do the right, same thing. Right, true. <laughs> I haven't so, seen a good example of hacking unless they just don't show the hacking. Then yeah. I'm like, okay, well, that's good. But they always, you know, filmmakers, they have to show it somehow. They can't just... Right. Again, from our listeners at home, this is me typing on a keyboard. There oh, is. my God. Or they have to explain it, you know. <laughs> Oh, God, the firewall's up. Let me do a circumstance backdoor circumcision. 
Got it. All right, we're in. Oh, shit, no. Back door is folded. Or, you know, all that crappy techno babble. Go watch Hackers in the 90s. It's funny if Albert Einstein came out. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, they, should, they, they pan up and it's Kelly LeBrock's body. And then it gets in the <laughs> face. Einstein. Hello. Hello. Ah! David, you know, we already had David Lee Roth here. Albert yeah. Einstein did so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So funny. But it works for this film. It, 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 it also severely dates the film. Yes, it does. <laughs> Which is fine. It's a great piece of 80s cinema, in my opinion. Uh, let's see. Anthony Michael Hall turned down reprising his role in National Lampoon's European Vacation as Russ Griswold to be in this film. Probably a good choice. I mean, I still like the first three vacation films. are all fantastic, I think. But uh, as a result, that's why there's no vacation films where there, it's the same Audrey or Russ from the previous one. Uh, this is the first reason, to put it that way. Hmm. Uh, Vernon Wells, who plays the Lord General, the lead biker at the end, pretty much is the same character from The Road Warrior in 81, Practically the same uh, makeup, mohawk, mesh tank top, and lots of studded leather. So pretty much a direct reference to The Road Warrior, which, like, like we joked about before, when you're watching it as a kid and you see The Road Warrior, you're like, what is this? Is this The Road Warrior, like, three? What is this? Mm. Uh, speaking of Robert Russler, who was uh, Max, how he was a Nightmare on Elm Street 2, on the last day of filming, he auditioned for that role in that film, and he was driven to the audition by none other than Iron Man himself, RDJ. Mm. That's Robert Downey Jr. for... Yeah, anybody doesn't. Even though he's credited as Robert Downey in this movie. Yeah. (laughs) So, anyway, uh, on a recent interview on the Howard Stern show, this is pretty gross. Robert Downey Jr. cleared up uh, rumors that he defecated in Kelly LeBrock's trailer. You asshole! First of all, how how rude! (laughs) That's not how you get women to like you. You don't go (laughs) pooping in their trailer. Uh, But he said that he and his co-star that I mentioned before, I don't forgot his name, Ron Robert Rusler. Uh, they did actually do that in one of the female cast members' trailer, but it was not LeBrock's. Uh, John Hughes questioned everyone in the cast as to who did it, and when he got to Downey, Downey replied, no, but I sure wish it was me who did it. He also stated there was never any tension between him and John Hughes, and he highly respected his friendship with him. Still, it's gross, man. I don't care how much money you got today. Hey, people got to poop. You don't do it in one of the girls' trailers. <laughs> hey, the way you pooped in my trailer really turned me on, RDJ. <laughs> It doesn't work that way. Well, well, I'm sure it might work for somebody out there, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure for most people it doesn't. Scat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, change the subject. A large Chet puppet was designed to be solely operated by Bill Paxton, but he became too claustrophobic in the suit, so two dwarves uh, named Kevin Thompson and Joe Gieb were crammed inside and puppeteered the creature in unison. So, mm. uh, let's see. A couple more. In the final cut of the film, Max and Ian are last seen fleeing the party. That's... Robert Downey and the other guy, when the bikers invade, they actually had a follow-up scene which they shot uh, in which multicolored clouds engulfed them. They transformed into a pig and a donkey. They then bend over to see the reflections and hubcats of a car and tails ripped through the seats of their pants. Uh, producer Joel Silver wisely insisted on cutting the scene, rationalizing that it detracted from a later transformation in the film, mainly Chet's, and photos of the actors in this makeup were published in the March 1986 issue of Cine Fantastique. Hmm. So they'd actually shoot it and everything. It's just not in the film. So maybe on the Blu-ray or something, it might be in the deleted scenes. No clue. Don't care enough to look it up myself. Uh, and finally, I always like to, anytime there's a who, what, when, where, or a what could have been, a what if, to quote the great Marvel comic series from back in the day, uh, some of the other actresses who auditioned for the part of Lisa, Demi Moore, meh, nah, mm-hmm. she, not, this it wasn't a role for her, and Robin Wright, which I think she could have possibly pulled it off, but I think they, they got the perfect choice for this film. Yeah. Uh, anyway, score-wise, Jesse, what would you give? Weird science. I agree with uh, IMDb at a six and a half, maybe even a six, actually. Gotcha. Uh, like I said, I watch this movie all the time. Heavy nostalgia in this score. Nevertheless, yeah. I would give it an eight because it's my fucking podcast. So I can give whatever score I want. <laughs> but again, like you know, with nostalgia being a factor, that's you know, as as a film itself, I can see. Understand a six. I can understand other people's opinions, obviously, but yeah, for me yeah. personally, like I could watch it right now. It's a storyline issue for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, all the things I mentioned before. Exactly. No worries. Moving on this week, Back to the Future, long overdue. In fact, Bill Paxton died. I think the day or the day before we did the uh, No Retreat, No Surrender episode because we were talking to Ben Wyatt on that episode, and me and him Facebook message afterwards like, "Oh God, we totally forgot to mention Bill Paxton." And then mm-hmm. you know, I, I prepare these. Uh, you know, sheets, cheat sheets, so to speak, for the podcast. Doctors, pretty much. Him and Michael Jackson. You know, 
That's what's going on these days. Can't trust doctors. Yeah. Uh, so we just kept forgetting, forgetting, forgetting. So what better way than to do a movie of his and one of his best performances in the 80s? Of course, not discounting Aliens or other movies that we've already done that he was in. But uh, this is one that I always remembered him from as well because he makes, he makes, he's a great character in this. He's fantastic in it. But anyway, uh, of course, he was born May 17th, 1955. Lost, gone too soon, February 25th this year. In, uh, born in Fort Worth, Texas, which that's where I'm going to see you two in a couple weeks, uh, right outside of Dallas. Uh, some interesting trivia about him. This is really interesting. Uh, he was actually in the crowd when JFK emerged from the Hotel Texas on the morning of his assassination in 19, uh, November 22, 1963. There are photographs of an eight-year-old Bill Paxton being lifted above the crowd and are actually on display at the Sixth Floor Museum in Dallas, Texas. Oh, yeah. Which I'm taking Autumn to, Jesse, that Saturday, but I'm, y'all be at the board game convention. But if y'all wanted to go for whatever reason. Yes, we'll be at BGG Spring Con. Yep. For I'll, anybody out there. <laughs> I'm going to see you two that Friday. Then that Saturday, we're going to go to that museum, and we're all meeting up at Medieval Times that Saturday night. So anybody, any listeners in the Dallas area want to go to Medieval Times? Yeah. You know, so. 80srevisit at gmail.com. But anyway, uh, also, he had a band. In 1982, Paxson and his friend Andrew Todd Rosenthal formed a new wave musical band called Martini Ranch. Sounds like a great Martini bar name. Uh, anyway, the band released its only full-length album, Holy Cow, in 1988 mm. on Sire Records. It was actually produced by uh, former Devo member Bob Casal and featured guest appearances by two other members of Devo. Devo. And in fact, a music video for the band's single, Reach, that's what we're listening to right now, was directed by none other than James Cameron. Yep. And I've never seen or heard this before, so this is that was new interesting. To you. It's, uh, it's a lot. Yeah. He's like, yeah. He looks like a Terminator. It's what they did before Titanic. and <laughs> Post-Terminator. Post-Terminator. Well, no, this was, uh, well, yeah, 88. Yeah. Oh, I still have Weird Science playing. <laughs> About the same. That, that's what, confusing. What is this? I was like, who's the, la- who's, who's the girl speaking? Yeah, it's just a bunch of... It's uh, a little Mad Maxi. I like this, though. A woman blacksmith. Hello. Well, maybe not. Is that a woman? (laughs) It is a woman, but eh. a little mannish in the face. Maybe uh, Not my type. (laughs) Post-op? Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, it should also be noted that, of course... Where's the music? There's the music. Almost a little John Carpenter-y. Let's go forward more. There's the music. (laughs) What the hell's happening here? Now, this music video is like seven and a half minutes long. But it seems like there's a lot of... It's one of those meatloaf videos with a lot of... Uh, what the fuck? <laughs> three okay. Amigos. Yeah, the Three Amigos dancing with a guitar and other stuff. Look at the ground, how it shakes. <laughs> that was not good. This looks really bad. Surprised Cameron didn't try to suppress it. Rich. Unless this is what they were going for, which very well could be. It's like a square image, too. <laughs> Anyway. Whatever. Yeah. Not for me. Everybody's in those steel horses back then. Yeah, <laughs> motorcycles. It's like when well, I think Western. Good on you, Bill Paxton, but stick with acting. But anyway, uh, oh, when he I died. I wish he could. Yeah, yeah honestly. <laughs> unfortunately, uh, not lick that spider. Weird. <laughs> what the? It just gets weirder and weirder. Uh, I don't know what this is. But watch it on YouTube. Uh, just Martini Ranch slash Reach uh, official video if you want to have a look at it and listen. Have a gander, see what we're talking about. But I also take into consideration when he died, there was a meme going around that, uh, you know, here's to Bill Paxton, the only one man killed by a Terminator, alien, and a predator. Yeah, he was in all those movies, but if you know you're Bill Paxton, you know that technically, honestly, he really wasn't killed by the Terminator. Mm. He was thrown into a very flimsy fence. Now, you can assume or infer that he w- was killed. But let's be honest, if you watch that scene, it's not very, like, that's not dead. There's no, like, you know, neck cracking sound. It's just, oh, he got thrown onto a fence. Yeah. Now, of course, you could believe, you know, you can say, well, maybe he was, so it's debatable. So just so you know, don't, don't get fooled by the meme. It's not necessarily factual. You can debate it. However, Lance Henriksen was technically killed by all three. Uh, I, I thought I'd written it down. But anyway, but he's... Kind of got an asterisk by his name because he was killed by an alien in Aliens when he was Bishop, of course, gets ripped in half, hmm. and he's put into stasis, but he later dies from that in Alien 3. 
So technically, he still did get that caused his injuries. He died from his injuries right. much later, and he was killed by a predator uh, in uh, AVP and a Terminator in Terminator because he was in the police station when Arnold I'll be back drives a vehicle in and kills everybody. Hmm. So Lance Henriksen does have that distinction a little bit more so than Bill Paxton. Again, you can debate about it, whatever. I'm not going to say you're wrong, but if you want to like get down to an actual discussion about it, Lance Henriksen's the man that's been killed by all three. Yeah, if you want to fight about it. Yeah, 80sRevisit at gmail.com, at 80sRevisit on Twitter. Come at me, bro. <laughs> anyway, but uh, just talking about Bill Paxton, uh, he was always one of my favorite actors. Whenever he would show up in something, even in like a bit role, like in Commando, where he's like, sir, we've got a plane coming in. It's like, oh, fuck yeah, Bill Paxton. I always bring a smile to your face. My face, at least. Uh, some of my favorite roles from him, uh, of course, Hudson and Aliens. That's the one most people, excuse me, most red-blooded American men remember him from. Uh, Morgan Earp and Tombstone. Uh, and Simon and True Lies, one of his most underrated but fantastic performances. Yeah, it was. So good in that film. Like, they should have done a solo film of that character. Just, like, <laughs> actually, just like, the... just do a comedy with him getting actually caught up in a separate spy game type thing. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> been fantastic uh and my personal favorite role of his uh the dad in frailty which he also directed uh again we talked about this before i believe when we did talk about bill paxton uh if you have not seen frailty fantastic film this frailty is a very important film for me simply because that was the film that a like wow bill paxton is a great director uh b matthew mcconaughey is a fantastic actor Mm. You know, this is like we talked about with True Detective, like the first season. Like, I was a McConaughey fan back when this when Frailty came out. Like, I wanted him to always want him to do more of those type of roles. Uh, you know, I didn't watch the uh, you know the, the rom coms other than you know what uh, whatever might have been on TV at my parents' house or if Autumn was watching something. I, mean, I never went out to seek. I, I, I just knew Matthew McConaughey was from you know uh, Days and Confused and a whole bunch of romantic comedies. And then, like I watched Frailty, I'm like, holy shit, this movie is fucking amazing. Still is. Uh, you know, this isn't 90s or... Was it in the 90s or two, 2001? Not 2001. 2000s revisited. revisited. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, if you're looking for a good... Just a good, almost a mindfuck type of a movie, Frailty's phenomenal. And it's spooky. I mean, it's Bill Paxton is terrifying in it. I mean, one of the things that came out after his death was just like in, you know, as when any celebrity tends to die, it's like, oh, sorry, sad, you know, sad day, blah, 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 blah. But one of the things that I consistently saw for Bill Paxton was just how he was a, and of course, you know what, you know, you don't know the, all the stories, but people were just saying how consistently, what a nice person he was. Conan O'Brien had a great story. I think he, they were at a play or something. It ended up being Bill Paxton behind him. And Bill Paxton knew that Tombstone was one of, uh, Conan O'Brien's favorite film, so like he t- he whis- whispered in his ear like a lot of his lines from it when he was at the show, and yeah, you know what a what, just a nice guy. Like, oh, he was one like if he was ever at Comic Con, would have loved to have like met him and you know got him shaking his hand and all that. I heard uh, a story about him. I was listening to a podcast, I believe. I actually don't remember where I heard this from, but uh, the guy was talking about him. Um, he used to work for a an alarm company. In South Cal- Southern California, and uh, he got a call, and you know it shows up the address. It's like, oh, that's Bill Paxton's place. He picks it up. Uh, so was our alarm company, and Bill Paxton's <laughs> like, oh, my alarm's going off. Uh, I, do, I just don't remember the code because I don't come here too often. And so he looked it up. He's like, oh, it's aliens. <laughs> 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 and then after that, so awesome. he decided, well, I got him on the phone. May as well say, you know. I'm a huge fan. No, I don't just say he's a huge fan. Then they end up talking for five to ten minutes about, you know, just whatever. That's so awesome. Like, (laughs) and again, we've had we've talked about that on the podcast before. Just like you know, some celeb. Like, obviously, don't go bother somebody when they're eating. You hear it's like, oh, he was having lunch, and I went over there and talked to him. Like, that's kind of like, well, you deserve. If he was an asshole to you, you kind of deserve it. You know, but uh, it's like certain, like you know, with Bill Paxton, in he came across that way to me. Mm-hmm. on screen like he just seems like a nice guy yeah uh you know hugh jackman seems the same way to me like i mean granted he does many more dramatic type roles but he just seems like a genuine person when i've seen him off the screen and bill pax was one of those you know and it's just just gone way way too soon and it was, it was like it was, it was one of those truly shocking things like when you see on facebook oh this has to be fake you know yeah like, yeah, yeah. 
okay, wait a second. CNN saying it. Like, no fucking, no. Like, what? Like, what? What? Yeah. You know, like, truly upset about it and just out of nowhere. I mean, like, Swayze, the same thing. Me and, my, me and Autumn just got off this, the worst ride in Disneyland in California Adventure and, like, you know, just checking messages like, Patrick was like, son of a bitch. But we knew he was, but he, yeah, we he knew was it. Sad. You know, it was like, you knew it was, he was, you know, he was, unfortunately, like, he was kind of on the way out. But this, like, just wake up one morning, it's like, Bill Paxton's like, wow, jeez. Yep. You know? But a <sighs> fantastic actor, especially in the 80s. I mean, he's, people quote him all the time with, especially aliens and multiple forms of media. Uh, just sad, just absolutely sad. But yeah, here's a candle or a toast to Bill Paxton. Miss you, pal. Sorry, we didn't talk about you sooner. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. He doesn't mind. <laughs> but uh, please, if and, and don't 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 if you if you're gonna watch a Bill Paxton, we don't watch Twister, don't watch Titanic. <laughs> so I mean, he's the best part of both of those movies. <laughs> Twister is so bad. I hate that movie so much. Really? As a kid, I loved it. Right. Like I mean, it's the effects are still well. I haven't seen it in probably five six years. Not bad, but it's still like it seems like the effects have held up. I honestly, I despise Helen Hunt in that movie. It's like the ah, biggest yeah, yeah. thing. Like, I want to see it. Like, what? No, you fucking crazy, you stupid bitch. <laughs> like, no. But he he's fantastic in it because he's Bill Paxton. Right. But I like if you want to honor his memory, watch Frailty. Like you know, shame we didn't get more directing stuff from him in terms of like a big budget type thing. Cause he did some other like TV or something or short yeah, shorts. Oh, oh, also, he directed the Fish Heads video, by the way. Fish Heads, Fish Heads, Barley Parley Fish Heads. So uh, that was uh, some of his work as well. A little bit different from Frailty, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so nah, that's about it. Any uh, favorite roles bit. of yours or any thoughts on Bill Paxton, Jesse? Oh, jeez, I don't know, man. What would you say, so like, many. your favorite role? I mean, you've seen Frailty, huh? Or? Actually, I don't think I have. Okay, there's your It's homework. on my list. It's on my list for sure. Highest possible. Like, in, seriously, anybody, if you haven't seen that movie and you're looking to watch... You know something, you know some something serious, a little horror aspect to it. There's a lot worse you could do, and not much better than uh, frailty, in my opinion. But that's just me. Uh, anyway, uh, wrapping up the podcast. Got an email to read. Where did I put it? I was gonna save it for next episode, but we'll go ahead and get into it right now. Uh, let's see. Let's see. It was from Pete. Uh, Pete in the UK again. Hi, guys. Thanks for the excellent podcast over the last few weeks. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. Yep. Uh, really interested on your thoughts about Jean-Claude Van Damme. Never really been a big fan of his film, so your reviews were very helpful. Glad to be of service. Let us know what you thought of him, Pete, uh, either on Twitter or shoot us another email. Now to my questions. Question uh, in parentheses. Pete, have you left us a review on iTunes? <laughs> If not, if not. Uh, anyway, over the last few years, there have been several remakes of beloved 80s films. Which of these have you enjoyed? Which did you avoid slash dislike? And which films are the holy grail and should never be touched? Now, you should know, I'm not sure if you've listened to every episode, but that's a very loaded question when it comes to me. <laughs> but I actually did some research because I wanted to go through, I went to Wikipedia and looked up, you know, films that have been remade. And it's a long, it's like broken into like several pages of the alphabet. I went through every one of them like, okay, 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 okay. So I actually did make a list of liked and hated 80s movie remakes. Wow. It goes without saying, the hated list is twice as long as the liked list. Now, let me also... Res re uh, we'll get into it. Uh, we'll start with the liked. Now, this, now I'm, not, I'm saying that they weren't as bad as I thought they would be because I, I as a general rule, don't like remakes. Because, mm -hmm. again, most of the time, they're not good. However, liked. I like the RoboCop remake. Mm, uh, as far as... One yet. Uh, we talked about that when it came out, or when I watched it originally on the podcast. With that cast and a PG-13 rating, they did a good job. It's better than three. Wow. Not that that's saying much. But uh, I didn't hate it. And I think a big part of it is kind of like we talked about with La La Land and the Ninja Turtles recent movies. Going into it with much lower expectations and like, this is going to suck, this is going to suck. And then right. it didn't suck. So I, tend, I probably liked it a little more than I would if I went into it thinking it was going to be fantastic. Same thing with Evil Dead, the remake. Uh, when I first saw it, I didn't like it. But I've seen it a couple times since then. It's not as bad as I originally felt it was. Still not great, but it's not terrible. Hmm. Uh, My Bloody Valentine, we talked about that not too long ago on that ep actual episode for Valentine's Day. I liked it. And again, though, I think that I haven't seen it since. I saw it in the theater, but I think that was a, a big reason to that was simply the 3D was so well done yeah. to where the experience of watching it made it in three, made it much better. Uh, and 
out of the 80s movies that have been remade, my favorite remake that I can honestly say I love this remake, Fright Night. Absolutely mm. loved it. With uh, rest in, another Gone Too Soon, Anton Yelchin, Colin Farrell, and uh, David Tennant. Yeah. Uh, and I like the original Fight Right Night as well, but this one is so I don't know it, they they had the right uh, they had the right cast, a good chemistry with the cast, the little tweaks to the story made sense. Uh, it just all came together really well. And if uh, it's probably like I said, it is my favorite '80s movie remake. Period. And again, verbiage here: movie, an '80s movie that was remade. This is my favorite. Yeah, because that's not and for- there's not a huge list of them, but. Amongst movies, it's still not up there either. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Now, Hated. Okay. (laughs) Ghostbusters. Nightmare on Elm Street. Friday the 13th. Conan the Barbarian. Red Dawn. Clash of the Titans. And The Hitcher. Shit. (laughs) Now, Clash of the Titans, it's... I wouldn't... You know, you could even put that maybe in a middle category like just meh. You know? I saw it once. I'll never see it again. It was cool seeing Liam Neeson. Actually, I like the sequel better because it was awesome seeing Liam Neeson and... Voldemort, Ray Fiennes, like, fighting monsters at the end. And uh, Rosamund Pike was pretty damn hot in it, too. I think that was her in it. I didn't see either one. Don't. I mean, again, there's no reason to. Like, right. I mean, there's... Medusa was pretty cool in the first one, but, I mean, you know, that doesn't make a movie great. You know, one, one single scene for the most part. So, yeah, those are... Again, that is specifically 80s movies. Now, Holy Grails... I mean, nothing is sacred in Hollywood. Uh, but in terms of just the 80s... Uh, Willow, you know, still want a sequel. There's no need to re- remake it. Let's do a sequel in the same world. Uh, Labyrinth, ups, too late. They're already talking about like moving forward and pre-production on that. You know, again, do something else in that world. Like, take advantage of it. Princess Bride, uh, Rambo, Neverending Story. Like, these are ones you don't need to remake ever. Uh, Rambo, I mean, as you really, you, honestly, you don't. There's no purpose to. Uh, Neverending Story, they had sequels that took place in that universe, never a remake. They even had a uh, TV show in Europe or somewhere. Keep it at that. Just, you know, I mean, that's fine. I'm not, I don't mind sequels because then you, you always have the original. And granted, you always have the original in a remake. But that dilutes the fucking point of the movie because then you get people like, yo, man, I fucking love Halloween. I know, dude. Oh, really? That's like my favorite horror movie. Really? Yeah, Rob Zombie. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop, 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 stop. You're saying the Rob Zombie Halloween is your favorite horror movie? I'm sorry, I can't talk to you anymore. <laughs> Leave my house, or I gotta go. Bye. Yeah. You know, uh, and that's a, it's a pet peeve. I mean, it's just my personal opinion. Uh, but I'll take like the holiest of holy grails in film for me that can never be remade. And I think this is a fact because there's no way to remake it. I can honestly think without it being shit is Jaws. Granted, not an 80s movie, it's a 70s movie. You, mm-hmm. can't, you can't make any shark movies. You couldn't even make Jaws sequels because of right. Jaws. And now, you know, I think people realize that, like, oh, Sharknado, that's, we have to go ridiculous. Open Water is the closest thing to a Jaws sequel, and it's based on a true story, and it's not necessarily a killer shark movie. You cannot make a killer shark movie. Jaws raised the bar into the stratosphere, and it can never be touched. Now, I would lo- it, it would be awesome if somebody made a movie that could be compared to Jaws. But I'll be perfectly honest with you. They've had 30, 40 years. It's not going to happen. That's, and, and again, don't remake it. Yeah. You can't remake it. You cannot redo Jaws. Now, you're gonna, I, most likely, here's, what you're, here's the, the best case scenario. You're going to have somebody remake Jaws, but it's going to be closer to the book, which is a terrible idea because mm. the book sucks. Let me phrase that. The book does not suck, but when it's a book about the movie Jaws, you know, Spielberg knew what he was doing. That movie is untouchable. Like, the book I don't is even terrible. think you could do a shot-for-shot shot remake of that. You can't. You absolutely yeah. can't. Like even the V8, the the old quality. Yeah, is part of it. See, I mean, I've seen. We talked about uh, the Shallows and you know recent shark movies. I'm like when I have nightmare, like not that I have nightmares all the time, but like when I get into the water, I don't have like visions of the shout like CG <laughs> sharks. I think of that fucking shark from Jaws when I'm when I have you know the fear of the water or shark real sharks. I mean you know, but I mean. As a kid, when you see Jaws, the original, you're terrified. I don't want to take a bath that night after watching the original Jaws as a kid. <laughs> terrified me. Same thing with Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. Like, wise choice. You're not remaking. You're, you're technically, re- you're, you know, they, they pull a, a fast one on us if you, want to pay, if you really want to break it down. 
look at the plot line of Jurassic World. It's the same as Jurassic Park. Yeah. You know, and, and people want to say the same thing about The Force Awakens. I understand what you're saying. Doesn't change the fact Force Awakens was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and Jurassic World, you know, didn't hate it. It was good. Wasn't great. But it's basically a remake of the first one. First one's still, you know, much more suspenseful. A, better director, practical effects. And you don't have a ridiculous scene of a girl being picked up by a pterodactyl, pterodactyl dropped in the water, eaten by another fish and another fish. I mean, just you right, know, right. brutal, like ridiculous stuff, donkulous stuff. I mean, they did have the created dinosaur that could do all sorts of things. That's where you had to go. You know, uh, yeah. you had to do something. Look, what's better than a T-Rex? Yeah. You have to, you have to have these, who knows what the next one's going to be. Like, oh, we crossbred every dinosaur. It shapeshifts into whatever it needs to be. It's the perfect killer. <laughs> but it's always a new dinosaur. I mean, there's there's other stuff they can explore that just exactly. Haven't. We'll oh, see. Well. <sighs> we'll see. But uh, now we we've talked about '80s movies being remade and how they're a dime a dozen and they're shit for the most part. You know, there's not a I can't none of the ones that I liked, except for say for Friday Night. Can I say or you know I enjoy I truly enjoyed. But now. Going through this list of remakes, of every remake, the 80s themselves were a golden era of remakes. What? What? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) The Fly, The Thing, Hmm. Scarface, The Blob, Little Shop of Horrors, Invaders from Mars. Those are the ones I wrote down because they were remaking films from the 30s and 40s. You know, 40, 50-year-old films they're remaking. Yeah. And movie, you know, John Carpenter was 50-something when he made the thing, or, you know, in his 40s, and he remade a movie he saw as a child. Nowadays, you're getting 25-year-old directors remaking movies they watched when they were a kid that are 10 years old. That, you know... The never-ending cycle. Exactly. And then also on the list of remakes, for some reason they had the Thing remake with Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who was also phenomenal in the new season of Fargo, by the way. Whew. I haven't started it yet. No, it's the first I mean, only one episode in, but... Right. Oh, she's so... Oh, God. She's still... So I haven't beautiful. finished season two yet. Get on that. Well, actually, by the time know. you finish season two, you'll have you'll be able to. Right. Season three will be built up a bit. Hopefully, McGregor's fantastic. Love it so far. Only one episode in though. But uh, anyway, you know the th- the thing with her wasn't a remake. That was a prequel. Which again, I didn't hate it, didn't love it, but it wasn't. They were building on an existing universe, and that's what the Force Awakens did. Love it or hate it, the prequels at least built on it. But again, they're prequels, so we have to fit a mold, and they changed things and added stupid midichlorians which make it stupid you know but there's a way you don't have to remake these films there's these that's why rogue one was so amazing a finally a movie that doesn't involve a skywalker in the star wars universe right because that universe is so rich mm-hmm. and with all these different alien species and everything and bam like and all these other ones could be rich too they just gotta yeah. try exactly like you know who knows there's not another you know the thing uh, uh that life form crash in the arctic maybe one crash somewhere else yeah. Or, you know, in modern times, and people, like, we heard about, the, you know, you can, you can go somewhere with it. Or, you know, if word ever got out, how would that affect everything? And, you know, yeah. Ex- like, that. you know, and then... You could have a Thing movie without even having the Thing in it. Well, in a sense, you could go watch the 1970s remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. And it's basically the Thing. Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, I mean, like, if, 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 the, if this did break out, you could almost say that it's almost a, it's a spiritual... Granted, the thing, the original thing came out before, but John Carpenter's The Thing came out after Invasion of the Body Snatchers remake. Speaking of, there's another fantastic remake right there. You know, all these older movies to where it was literally puppets on strings and Ed Wood-style effects for the mm. horror movies being remade in the, the, the greatest time for practical effects of all time in the 80s. That's why you get, that's why The Fly is so amazing. Because, yeah, it's basically the same story, but how it's told. Now you can tell that story frighteningly and 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 it gets what it deserves like all those remakes i mentioned they're all superior to the original in my opinion we haven't covered the blob yet or invaders from mars but if you haven't seen those the blob (laughs) still is like one of the that's coming up uh this year's halloween horror Mm -hmm. so long way away Mm -hmm. but (laughs) there's a little teaser as to the theme for this year but uh yeah so it is possible to make a good in closing it is possible to make a good remake but there's no need to remake a movie that's 10 years old. You know, give technology and time for like things to evolve in film mm-hmm. and then like treat it the way it needs to be. Because uh, uh, if you look at the source material for all these remakes, aside from like Little Shop of Horrors and The Blob for the most part, you know, they, they did, they made it their own. John Carpenter's thing, 
you don't ever need like I would never recommend the original. I mean, I recommend if you if you if you're a John Carpenter fan and want to see yeah. what inspired him, yeah. But as a like as a movie, don't waste your time watching the original if you haven't seen John Carpenter's. Yeah. That's the one that is relevant from now to the day we die. <laughs> Milestone of practical effects, The Fly as well. You go to you used to be able to go to Universal Studios and they had like the uh, like makeup show or whatever. And the big finale was the pod from The Fly, and a guy comes out transformed to the Fly. Spoiler alert! If it, I don't even know if it's still there. <laughs> But anyway, yeah. Uh, so there you go, Pete. Uh, you did have he did have a little bit left. Uh, as an '80s child, I feel very protective over a lot of these films, but did quite enjoy, to my surprise, Ghostbusters. Don't worry, we'll still be friends. Uh, hated with a passion, The Karate Kid. I would never ever want to see reboots of Back to the Future and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, hey, there you go. There's a couple of holy grails right there. Yeah. Back to the Future and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now, if they wanted to do a young, like they did with the TV show, Young Indiana Jones, or Again, you're not. Don't remake the the. Don't he doesn't go after the Ark again. Uh, I think we talked about before. There was at one point rumors like Bradley Cooper like being approached for an Indiana Jones reboot, which I would be fine with because he he kind of fits that look and that type of character. I think he could do it. But again, you know, have that Indiana Jones not go after the Holy Grail, not go after some stones in India, not go after the Ark of the Covenant, have him go after Noah's Ark or the Spear of Destiny or some other religious artifact. Different stories. Don't remake the old one. And Back to the Future, don't touch it. (laughs) That I would definitely agree with that one. That is the Holy Grail. Yeah, you couldn't touch it. I mean, they have to change so much of what made that story great. I mean, in 50 years, maybe. Oh boy! I mean, you never know. <laughs> yeah, well, there's some. I mean, we probably will have time travel by then. The way technology is yeah. really. Hold on, let me go to my time travel app. I'm gonna go it'll see the dinosaurs. It'll be a documentary. <laughs> yeah, it'll just be yeah, the real Back to the Future <laughs> the, Netflix original. When we actually travel back, twenty five hundred or twenty, whatever, whatever yes. the year would be. I don't know. But regardless, Pete, uh, thanks for writing us in. You know, let us know how we're doing. Always good to hear from you. Let us know how we're doing as well. Leave us a review if you haven't. Uh, stay in touch. That's the most important thing. And next week, we're going to keep the science feel going on the podcast for next weekend, the week after that, as we're going to talk about a film that, when I was telling Jesse what we were doing today, he was like, wait a second, I watch that movie all the time. (laughs) So I'm sure there's some of you guys out there and girls that uh, might be the same way. We're going to talk about my science project. Uh, So tune in next week for that. And don't forget, uh, also, uh, shout out to our good friends both far and away, uh, now versus nostalgia, John and James right around the, uh, down the road from us, and also our good friend Ben White in Tasmania with the Asia Mania podcast. Always a good listen for both of those. Uh, and I think that's it. We plugged everything. We talked our head, talked my head off. Yeah, but a variety of <laughs> subjects. So until next time, everybody. I remain Trey Harris. Yes, exactly. Cowabunga. This show and more on Facebook.com slash AwesomePods. And follow us on Twitter at AwesomePods. 